everyone. My name is Derek Covington-Smith, and I'm going to be your host for Spotlight On. Spotlight On is an interview podcast where we talk to different artists working and living in Mississippi. When I moved back to Mississippi, I opened up my studio, the Little Yellow Building, and began teaching. And once the coronavirus hit and really settled in, it became quite lonely. As artists, we're always used to having a lonely studio practice and being one-on-one with ourselves. But when you take out the option of having that community, it becomes really hard. And that's where Spotlight On was born. I started reaching out to artists all over Mississippi and interviewing and learning more about their lives. I'd like to invite you to come along and join me as we talk to everyone and anyone who wants to share their art and their life with us. So I hope you tune in. I hope you subscribe and join us for Spotlight On. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Spotlight On. This week, we have a special guest, Robin Whitfield. Uh, We're going to handle this a little bit different. Robin has a very unique way of approaching her art and the way she... um, it's basically her studio practice. We all work at home and, and she does not. She is adventurous and is a nature watercolorist and captures these beautiful moments. Um, but yeah, let's get into talking about that. Hi, Robin. Welcome. And thank you for being here with us. Hey, Derek. Thanks. I love being here. <laughs> um, so for anybody that's not quite familiar yet, why don't you let them know a little bit about what you do? All right. Um, so... I started off, I guess, being a regular painter, and I guess what I mean by that is just I, I studied art at Delta State. Uh, we we did paint outside a lot. I studied with Sammy Brett, and he basically said nature was our teacher. So I'm sure that set things off, not to mention the fact that I always knew Walter Anderson's work and thought I was just going to be him as I grew up. But I, I ended up in North Mississippi. I, that, that was sort of an accident, but also sort of by providence. I never knew. I don't think I ever visited a swamp or a wetland until after college. You know, if I did it, you know, Delta, I mean, Delta State doesn't have a lot of wetlands around it, even though it's in the Delta. And I just didn't know they existed around there. So anyway, all that to say, becoming a swamp girl and painting in the swamps kind of happened at the same time. I ended up moving to Grenada to paint murals and then ended up stumbling into this swamp right down the street. And I, I was taking my oil paints out there with me and it was not working. It was awkward, you know, and I just went back to kind of thinking about my roots and thinking, well, goodness, uh, there's water everywhere. And I know watercolor is a thing. And I'm just going to reteach myself painting with watercolor. And so that was it. So I basically started going out to that particular swamp almost every day and stumbling through relearning painting, basically. I mean, not, you know, painting is sort of a way you see, but you still have to have some sort of fluency with your media. And it's fairly different than oil. So it took me a little while to get my own sort of, um, it took me well over a year. And I will say that for anybody who wants to Switch mediums, don't give up. Yes, it's very awkward. <laughs> I just did not want, because I knew I wanted to be working outside and I wanted to, I wanted to work with the media around me. So anyway, so that's what I've been doing for the past 25 years um, is, uh, is, is doing watercolor in the swamp. And I think I did realize somewhere in there, especially in this transition, that it really wasn't about the painting for me. 
for me, it was about being in the swamp, being in a forest and being, and I ended up being a kayak about maybe 10 years into painting a good bit in the swamp and which gave me access, deeper access to swamps and into rivers. And then I began to realize how much public land I had around me, but I still tend to go back to my swamp because it's just a couple of blocks from my studio. And so I call it my real studio. And it's really, the painting is about sitting quietly and, and watching the birds and the insects. And I've, well, I mean, that's that kind of rolled into me, but also becoming a naturalist because you can't sit in a swamp and paint and not end up wanting to know what everything is. Because, you know, as you're sitting there, it all comes alive around you. Absolutely. Well, and and I like when you're saying, oh, and it's sitting in a swamp. And, and for anybody that's not familiar or hasn't seen um, your Instagram or your photos, you're sitting in a kayak with your art setup and your watercolors. And, and yeah. from my understanding, you've built like you've built your own little setup that works for you just in your kayak, but you're in the middle of a swamp. Like That's, on right. the water. that's incredible. That's right. <laughs> How did yeah. you figure out that that's what you were going to like you know? on the water? But I don't know. I think, you know, I'm going to tell you, and I think a lot, I, I, listening to a church going mule, maybe, maybe all of us are the same. All of us are artists. Maybe we're all deep, deeply, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore introvert that's having to exercise not being one. And so I think part of my going to the swamp and painting in nature early on was about feeling safe and feeling like um, going somewhere where I could just completely relax and absorb everything around me and not worry about being interrupted. And so I think when I when I first started going out in my kayak, that's where I felt most secure. I felt like I could I was literally leaving the old world behind and entering this new realm where, you know, I knew I would never see someone else or especially in, in the swamp I go to a lot. No one else was ever there at the time. And so I could go out and just literally get into a different zone and a different what I'm just going to call actual reality to get actually in the present moment where I'm not worried about anything, you know, all anxiety leaves in that kayak. Um, I've learned to practice to the point. I now don't need the kayak to be anxiety free, but that's what the kayak was for me in the beginning. It was the, it was freedom. It was getting away from the world that I knew. And so, but now it's just a very quiet media. I mean, it, it would well, not media. It, it'll like, so it's, well, it is a vehicle. It is a medium to get to a place in a very quiet way and it's comfortable. Now I'm old. <laughs> so, yeah, I can quietly and comfortably sit in this kayak and, uh, you know, and then just enjoy the peacefulness of that and then have all my stuff that I did not have to carry because my boat carried it and just sit there in my comfortable chair and uh, get everything out. And my media is all around me. I just use the water right there. I use a non-toxic uh, paint. Uh, that's what I also like about watercolor. It's it's uh, essentially non-toxic, although it does have, chem you know, pigments can be chemical based, but it's binders or honey and uh, tree sap. So I'm very conscious of the fact that watercolor is not like acrylic, which is plastic. So, um, I'm glad that you mentioned yeah. that one of your, your inspirations was Walter Anderson, because when I look at your landscapes and really you have a lot of landscapes, but you have more of a subject matter to your art because you'll go in and you'll hone in on a certain tree or a certain way this this set of nature interacts with each other and you really pull that out yeah. but you do you do it with simple brush brush strokes complex color combinations um it's not fussy but it's complex I love that. <laughs> yeah, I um, you can get lost in it. Like one brushstroke that has three or four different colors that are dripped into it, you can you can really 
lose yourself in, in following around your paint. And um, I appreciate I that. that. Um, you know, when, I, when I'm painting sometimes, you know what I think? I'm, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm interrupting you, but you're describing, it's interesting to hear someone else describe what they see, but um, I, I play enough music to be able to appreciate how much I don't know about music, but I, I love the idea of improvisation and jazz. And I kind of think about my music a little bit like, cause I'm improving with nature. It's sort of a, a give and take. Like we were, like, I feel like at least I'm responding to it. I mean, I don't know how, it, 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 I don't know. I'm beginning to learn that the forest might respond to me too, certainly in the way it'll come alive around me. But I feel like jazz is sometimes very simple. But it's also got these complex layers of harmonies and chords, you know, even if it's just two or three notes. And I, I think about that a lot. And, 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 um, uh, and usually not when I'm painting, but when I'm not, I think about painting when I'm not painting. I try not to think at all when I'm painting. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. Um, I, I think about painting when I'm driving most. It's, it's, yes. I'm, um, everybody else drives around on the road and I drive around on the painting of a road. Like I'm, my brain is constantly picking out how would I accomplish this and what would this look like? And that's, that's really interesting to hear that you focus on all that. And then when you get into practice that you, you let all that thought go and then more intuitively work. That's beautiful. Um, So (laughs) I want to jump back in time now. You're, um, you're in Grenada, Mississippi, right? That's right. Um, are you from Grenada or where are you from? I'm not. I actually grew up in Clinton. <laughs> so Clinton, I went to Clinton Public Schools and I, I ended up here after I went to Delta State. Yeah, tell us about your your background, your um, you know childhood in art and coming up through the art education through Delta State. I'm gonna tell you what my I mean my life. I feel like my life has led me. I guess we all our lives all lead us to be who we are. What am I saying? But I mean I can just look back and go wow. So I was born. Uh, I, I was actually adopted into the family I'm in. But I was adopted to a family with an art teacher mother and and she was also a painter. And she went back to graduate school when I was in elementary school at Mississippi College. And that was powerful for me. Just to, she would let me come to classes with her and. You know, I just, I was enwrapped in that whole world and met, you know, all of her, a lot of her friends were artists. And then our neighbor was Wyatt Waters. And I, we would walk by his house almost every day and just, he would be out in his yard painting with his little girl Crimson. And he had this wonderful greenhouse. And, you know, it was just like a, your everyday, I mean, it was just like a normal, in other words, I thought everybody had an art teacher mom and their neighbor was a painter. It just, it was like having your neighbor be a fireman or a policeman, like an artist, being an artist was a very tangible thing for me because I saw it being practiced at home. My mom ended up being an eighth grade art teacher for many, like 30 something years, which I never actually took her class. I'm ashamed to say I was too shy to have my mom as my teacher. (laughs) But, um, but anyway, I regret that now, but she, you know, she was, you know, I had access to all her brushes, which I ruined most of. I mean, I, the, I, you know, she would say, don't use these brushes. And of course, that's the ones I wanted to use and leave in the paint. But, but anyway, so I, um, that, that was very strong. So when I was in high school, she realized how serious I was about painting. I was very serious about art, even in, in junior high school. And even then, I was going out and trying to sketch in, in nature. I would ride my bike down to the park there in Clinton. That was the most nature I could find. And I would just scrounge around on the, just look for any little flower. I didn't know what anything was, but if it was growing, I wanted to sketch it or, or, or look at it. So sketching was a way for me to observe something more closely and, and just notice its beauty. I mean, I think that's scientists use sketching in that way too. And um, so, but anyway, so I, uh, 
she, she observed this in me. And next thing I know, she had signed me up for an adult workshop when I was 15 years old at Mississippi College, which ended up being Sammy Britt was that teacher. And he is the painting professor at Delta State. So in a sense, you can say I started studying with him at the age of 15. And he he and I liked each other immediately. And he came back the next summer and taught again. So I took two adult workshops in my high school, my junior and senior year. Um, and then I looked all over. I just I didn't want to go to Delta State. I wanted to go to some fancy school like Savannah College of Art. And you know what? I went all I went there. I went I went to a few other colleges and I ended up back when I finally decided to go look at Delta State. I loved it best. I loved the way it felt. I loved everything about it. I loved all the professors. And so I chose to go there over any other school that I could have gone to um, and think it was the best choice I ever made. And so I, I continue to study with Sammy and inst- continue to study with him. I, I guess I will always think of him as my main mentor. And uh, but anyway, but he because he he the first day of class, I mean, this this was huge for me. And I still come back to this. I don't know exactly what he said, but this is what I heard or what in my memory, the mythology, what he said. He walked into class that day and he's he he was always he's funny. And he walked in and he said, I I know all you think you have signed up to take a painting class, but this is a class about seeing. This is a seeing class, and I'm gonna teach y'all how to see over the next four years. And nature's gonna be your teacher. I mean, he made my and I've said that part quite that succinctly. On, you know, but basically that's what he he wouldn't show us how to mix colors. He but he gave he made us go outside and break things down to just three or four colors in the whole, you know, look at looking at an entire landscape, we had to just break it down into three or four shapes and put a very specific color on that shape and try to balance that to where it felt like that time of day or that quality of light or season. And I tell you what, even after four years, and it's a, as an 18-year-old, you don't want to do that. That's boring. You want to make fancy paintings that look have all this detail that everybody oohs and ahs over. You don't. He wouldn't let us finish paintings either. That first year, especially, we were not, we were not allowed to finish a painting. Meaning, and what he meant by that is, we couldn't make our mask. We couldn't turn this color into a tree. We had to do, keep things extremely abstract. And so I, I was very obedient. I did exactly what he said. Even inside of me, that was killing me because I wanted to show off how well I could draw. But he just, um, you know, I, I'm so glad I, I just listened to him. Probably because my shyness probably helped me out. I was unwilling to go against what he said. <laughs> I just did what he said. And um, he told me, he said, Robin, if you do this for about 15 years, you're going to really know something about painting. <laughs> and so, uh, and he's right. In about 15 years, I did felt like I had actually learned. I, I felt like I was a little more, I felt like truly felt fluent in color. It's like learning a language. It is, you know, and he called it a language. He called painting a language. And um, and so all those set the tone for me to understand painting is not making products, but as a way of interacting with the world around me in a meaningful way and having a poetic response to, you know, what I'm taking in. And of course, I'm using the, the color that I make a musician would use sound and harmonies and I'm using color harmonies. So I, I um, anyway, that's my background. I Sorry, yeah. I can make it. I can make it make it really long, can I? <laughs> no, that was awesome. Well, I I loved how you um, you emphasized the the part where he you took an entire year and he wouldn't let you finish a painting. Right. Um, that is such a useful thing so to do. Useful. Um, I, I think about all the times that I start a painting and um, you know I'm I'm ten steps ahead in my head. 
I don't right. stop to to take a look at exactly how everything's pulling together. I just, I well, at this point, I trust myself. But back then, that would have been extremely useful to say, no, you know what? I don't have to finish this. Let me exactly. let me let me do something else. That's what a great lesson. I know, um, and at the time, I didn't get that lesson. Only, but now it's a practice for me. And I, in watercolor, I try to, you know, when I teach watercolor now. You know, your first watercolor, you're looking out there, you're trying to capture it easily, you know, with those bold brush strokes. Trust me, my first attempt at something, in the first two minutes, I know. And I'm like, if it ain't working, I just throw it down and get a new piece of paper. And some most paintings, I, it took me three or four tries to make it as simple as I see it. Or actually, I see it more simply as I paint. Let's put it that way. I don't see it simply enough in the beginning. And uh, But having that practice from college that, that every painting doesn't have to be a painting, but it is a practice to see better. That you're that that may that is continuing to evolve in its depth. It's just sinking deeper and deeper. That message. So I want to shift gears. Um, I want to talk about you today and, and what your art life is like today. What's going on with you in Mississippi, and and how are you filling up your time? <laughs> um, I know I can, I can I can be long winded. So I'm going to tell you what. I was just talking to my mom just before I, 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 I zoomed in with you here and uh, I was telling her I haven't, I haven't probably put a, a paintbrush to a piece of paper maybe in, in three or four weeks and it's killing me. But I'm going to tell you what my art life This is what I, I came to realize. I'd probably say at least a decade ago about, about me as a painter, as an artist. For me, it is an actual, it's a, a lifestyle. It is a way of living each moment of my life and how I'm seeing. And just because there's not a brush on the paper, it's like you were talking about driving. It's how I live and what I'm after. And so I had to come, I, I've, you know, I, I've had, in order to make a living as a full-time artist in, in North Mississippi, I've also had to, I've had to ask myself a lot of questions about what is, you know, all these, what you're asking me, I ask myself a lot. Like, what, who are you? What are you doing? What are you trying to do? How, how are you going to do this? What, 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 why is your life this way? And so all of this comes down to I paint because I want to connect to nature. And I deep down, now that I, I look at what Walter Anderson did for me, I'd like to use my painting to help others connect to nature. I want them to look at my painting and through my painting go, oh, my God, I did not know that this is what Grenada looked like. I want a Grenadian to say that. I, it, it matters to me that someone in Grenada can see my work and then they look back at their own town and go, wow, I never realized how beautiful a swamp is. Or I didn't know that this, you know, just even they didn't even know that kind of tree or I, I, I want, I, I guess, have an interest in connecting regular my Mississippi folks to, to what they see every day in, in a new way with new eyes, not a functional way, but a way that's more spiritual. And so in doing that, you know, I don't know how much more you know about my life. I, I've ended up starting a nonprofit to take care of this 300 acre swamp that I paint in. I, it was going to be, it was threatened by a timber harvest. Our city owns that property. And I went in one day to paint. I, I, I was going to do a whole month of painting. And this is like back in 2016 where I was going to, um, in my first day of this, I had set aside a whole month. That's you know that just to really um, get somewhere. And you know, I, I kind of need to. Sometimes my life kind of has a lot going on with teaching workshops and being on the road and doing lots of things. And I wanted that one month focus. I showed up and all these timber harvest ribbons were all over it. So that was kind of the beginning of me realizing they were going to cut the forest. Then I ended up finding a way to save the forest. That's a whole other interview. But uh, anyway, that ended up meaning I needed to start a nonprofit, and I have the most wonderful 
board members and other citizens in the community that all love the swamp for different reasons. And now we take care of it. And we use creativity and we, we, we use um, activities and events that often use the arts. I mean, like, I can't help it. I also know how powerful that is to draw something or to maybe I also like to forage for pigments in the landscape. I love to look for wild colors in, in the soils and in, in the plants and berries and leaves and all kind of things. And so I use that sort of lens to help people connect to nature directly. I realize that sometimes people struggle. I'm very, I have a studio on our square in Grenada. I've had this studio for over 20 years. And in that 20 year span, I bet you I don't have five people enter, walk in the door to look at my paintings um, from Grenada. If they walk in, they're from off, they're from somewhere else. <laughs> and I, you know, and so I, I've realized that, that the art gallery or the art studio or just paintings in general are not something that, that, Maybe every Mississippian understands how to ha- how to access for themselves. But I'm finding a more direct connection to getting people to connect to nature is by actually doing it themselves, going out, touching it and smelling it, smearing it on paper. We don't necessarily call it art. Just because you don't call it art doesn't make it art. I'm using an art creative process to make a connection with people. But um, it's interesting. I'm finding it is now now that I'm like four, almost five years into this kind of more direct connection with the community, I've never had more people come into my studio from the community. Now they're, now people are seeing my paintings in a new way. They want to, um, I don't know, they, they, it's more accessible to them now that they can, plus when they go out to the swamp and they see things for themselves and they see what I'm doing or what mother, what, what, what we're all at. And I, I bring in lots of artists. I know that because that's who I know. I'm like you. I know artists. I'm interested in what they have to teach. I want to learn from them. And we bring in all kind of creative people to the swamp to offer photography workshops or uh, sculpting workshops or just uh, printmaking workshops, all kind of stuff to help people engage with nature. So all of that to just uh, probably even lost the point of the I'm trying to remember your question. Um, it doesn't so, matter. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so so I, I so connecting uh, so connecting to nature. Has, I think uh, you were asking me sort of about my um, uh, maybe my purpose or my uh, or just what what's I going on. Of, you know what's going on. Sorry, what's going on? So you know, it, it's it sort of seems like from the outside looking in that I'm doing multitasking more than I ever have. But I'm telling you what, five years ago when I started that nonprofit and I started making these direct connections with people and I started spending most of my time at the swamp instead of traveling, I've never felt more focused in my, as an artist. I feel like everything I'm doing seems to be almost like a laser or it's going in the same direction um, and where it used to be a lot more fanned out, just trying to figure out how to make ends meet, honestly. Now, now that I've stopped figuring out how to, I don't think about that much anymore. And I still have all the same bills and all the same issues, but I don't know now that I'm really focused and in this groove of what I feel like uh, the universe is in, like I'm on my path. I'll just put it that way. Whatever the universe or God intends for me to be doing, I feel upside down into this groove that I never would have asked for that. If the swamp hadn't, it's like if I, I would never do what I'm doing now, had the swamp not, I have to be almost grateful if they were going to cut the trees of the swamp because I would have never gone hard this direction. But now that I am, I realize that I'm living this 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 more full focus, and everything it all changed a lot about that time too. Um, I have less time, or I have to manage my time better, and um, and somehow in that time management, I actually expanded my ability to paint more. And I cannot explain that. It almost seems <laughs> time has become. Um, 
my most precious commodity. And, uh, but also I'm also realizing how much choice I give myself excuses all the time. I never have time to paint. I don't know. But now that I am in charge of everything I do, I'm having to make special time. I'm realizing I, those were all, those were always excuses that I didn't even know were excuses. Uh, and I think cause I was nervous about making a living. And when you're nervous about how am I going to make money? You want, you have to say yes to everything and, and you have to try to, you know, I, I was scared to say no to anyone. And now that I'm very focused and I have a very full calendar and I find myself having to turn down jobs and just stay the course, I'm realizing that that kind of reduces an anxiety and I have, you know, and I still am very financially stable. The the things just keep, things come to me now rather than me chasing them. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good, um, a point to make in any artist art. There's, there's this time where you're hungry. You're just beyond hungry and you're going to look at every job and say, I can take that. I can do that. Whether it makes you miserable (laughs) or not, whether you're, you know, whether you're meant to paint this or not. And you found a purpose and you found your unique value. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you're, like you said, you've gotten laser focused and now you're grabbing on to jobs that fit into your spectrum. And that it sounds like they're, they're not as hard to accomplish when you're not fighting yourself because you don't want to do it. <laughs> like you're now taking all these opportunities yeah. that are, that are coming to you that are fit within exactly what you want to do. That's yeah. wow. What a great point in your art career. I mean, I know I didn't, and I didn't see it coming. Exa- I mean, I didn't see any of this coming in exactly the way it did. You know, how you're, you're, when I'm a young, when I, even when I graduated from art school, I thought being an artist was not, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't see what it, what I, I only, you, all you can think of is the, the artist you see around you and you don't know really what's going on in their life. I thought art being an artist was something totally different than what it is. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just amazing to finally be here and realize that, whoa, this, this is my life. This is being an artist for me. And all I had to do was just let go and trust in this, uh, in all the things I was most interested in. And um, now I've always been like, I said, I love Joseph Campbell. I read The Power of Myth as a young person. He always said, follow your bliss. And I loved that statement. And it meant something when I was younger, I, I, I knew he didn't mean just go party all the time. I didn't want to party anyway. I, that made me very uncomfortable, you know, social anxiety and all. But um, follow your bliss. I know that's now that I'm here. I know if I had, and I've always kind of leaned into what I love. I'm not going to say it like that I didn't. But I, yeah, I scrambled for everything. And that's kind of, but you kind of have to do that when you're young. Because sometimes you don't even know what I didn't. If you had asked me if, when I was young in my, my 20s, did I want to work with people? I would be like, no. Do you want to teach? Well, no. Do you want to have a nonprofit? No. I would have said no to all that. And so I had to go and jumping through all the hoops to get to where I'm now. I ended up in the nonprofit world. That's kind of how I made it. I, that's how I've made it up to this point. I thank the God and the goodness, whatever. Uh, I found, a woman found me in my mid-20s uh, to work for her nonprofit called Communities and Schools. She was hiring a bunch of artists to send out into the field to work with at-risk youth. I didn't know what an at-risk youth was, and I 
never taught and I was terrified, but she was offering me like $25 an hour. And you just don't turn that down when you're broke. You're looking at working at Walmart, you know? So I said, yes. And so after I started, I loved the work. I loved it. I've I've done that. I did that for 18 years, uh, going into schools and into, uh, uh, mostly I was working in alternative schools or or, um, adjudicated youth after school programs. But in doing so, I learned all about nonprofits. I learned how to share and exchange with, I love at risk kids. They are so ang- they are so hungry for something real and meaningful, and they will exchange with you in the deepest of ways, and it's very authentic. And so they kind of taught me how to be brave. They taught me how to be authentic. They taught they taught me they taught me so much. And being part of this nonprofit world, also, I ended up being an administrator for that same organization. I, I was one. I was our um, like our project coordinator and worked with all the other artists. Ultimately for several years. And so all of that, like I look back on it now and all that was kind of training me. So now, you know, now in my current life, all of a sudden I was faced with having to form a nonprofit so I could hold a a lease on this 300 acre property. And it didn't feel very unfamiliar. That felt now I have to write grants and, and uh, you know, and who do I know that offers money for grants is the arts commission. That's who I know because I'm an artist and I've worked with them in my nonprofit work. So I can't help be, I run a conservation organization by writing grants to the Arts Commission. We did a big quilt project last year. I hired an, an artist, Yolanda Van Heerden, who's an amazing quilt artist in Greenwood. And she, we hired her to come and work with the, um, that we just, we had public workshops in Grenada. We, we had all kind of, we had Girl Scouts coming. We had um, older quilt ladies who had their little quilt be, quilting bees come. We had teachers, we had all kind of people coming and they had to look at 25 plants and animals that live in our swamp and interpret them through pattern fabrics, colors and patterns on fabrics in these abstract G's uh, bin style quilts. It was the best project. I mean, it was like, it was like a crazy, we were all on a high about that project. And we used these quilts We've just gotten them back in our hands from the from the art of COVID happened and kind of interrupted the project. But we ended up, you know, having these basically four quilts. We originally were going to get them to have them for field trips for kids to sit on them that learn from them like big game boards. I know as a, growing up in the 80s, I was thinking Twister. We might even play Twister on them where we, you know, make these connections. But that's the kind of like, that's the kind of director I know how to be. I don't know how to be a scientist, but I know how to be an artist running a conservation nonprofit. But I'm learning. I'm meeting scientists and learning how to work with them too. Because it's really I'm learning science and art. Or there's this, there's really hardly any lines at all. It's just which label do you prefer to have? You know? Yeah. Or maybe your outcome. You know, maybe the art, artist outcome has a little bit more to do with intuition and poetry, and the science outcome has to do with statistics and hard data, but we all use the same methodology and ask the same questions. And then you have those artists that cross over to both and that they use the scientists, the the sciences and geometry, all this stuff. And they're just amazing. So I want to ask you one last, I want to ask you one last wrap up question um, that, that we, we, I like to ask our artists that come on here. Um, for those who are coming up behind you that you're, you're leaving a trail for, what would be some advice that you would give to them? Gosh, um, don't be scared. Well, actually, no, no, you're going to be scared. Recognize that you're scared. Um, and, and I love Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. I really recommend that as a read if, if anyone's never read that. Um, I read it actually recently, I'd say about, Five or six years ago, I kind of went through that scare of fear, like, oh, my God, I need a real job. You know, I read that book. Came, I, I found that book right at the right moment where she's 
she has this and and you cannot get rid of fear. Fear is there. So you might as well accept them as your co-pilot. And she says, just don't let him drive the bus. You know, but but don't be scared because you're going to have some rough time. You're going to have a week or a month or just several months where you can't, can't pay your bills. It's kind of like playing chicken to me. Like I, sometimes I look at my, I see what my bills are coming and I see what's, um, I see what I don't have, but just don't be scared. If you really want it, stay the course. And uh, if it's in your heart, uh, everything will line up for you. And it may not be in your timing, but it'll be in the timing that, the, that, that is right in, in, in the big picture. Well, Robin, I want to thank you so much for being with us. For anyone that's listening and wants to learn or find Robin, you can find her on Instagram at Robin Whitfield Studio. It's R-O-B-I-N-W-H-I-T-F-I-E-L-D-S-T-U-D-I-O. And you can also find her on RobinWhitfield.com. Thank you again for being here with us and sharing everything that you do. You're, I mean, wow. <laughs> Wow. Thanks, Jerry. I love being here. I love what you do, too. This is I'm so glad you're introducing me to artists I never knew about around the state. I can't wait to listen to more podcasts. It's been so exciting to be able to do. Um, Thank you for being with us and thank everyone who has listened and supported. Um, Go to the littleyellowbuilding.com. You can find all the artists that we have been interviewing and our gallery and shows and all kinds of fun stuff. So until next week.